Last week, we studied the scriptures and we saw how Jesus called people to follow him. This week, we're continuing this series called Marked. Everybody say Marked. Marked. This series, Marked, we talked last week about following Jesus, right? We talked about becoming students of the Savior. We talked about how when we follow Jesus, we become pupils of praise, right? We become people that decide that praising him is our priority. And in that, the three pillars that we talked about last week are being with God. How many know that's important? Raise your hand if being with God's important, right? Being with God, taking time with God. Becoming like Jesus. And the third one, doing what Jesus did. Three very important elements, three very, very important things. Now, let me ask you this. As we begin part two of this, mess, uh, this series called Marked, this morning's message has to do with something that I think we all are familiar with, the fact that you have been pre-approved. Right? Exciting news this week when I opened my mailbox. Somebody told me I was pre-approved. I felt relieved because I was so worried about that all week. And somehow somebody won't approve of me. But there's a bank somewhere that said I have been pre-approved. And I'm grateful for that today. I'm grateful that in some way somebody approved of me. I think we've all been there, right? We've all been where we're like pre-approved, 0% for 24 months. How great is that? 24 months later, I'm no longer approved. The pre is gone, and I now have to start this insecurity all over again. But in truth, we've all been there, right? You get a letter in the mail that tells us we've been pre-approved. And that's supposed to make you feel good. And now you don't have to, what, worry or concern or go through a long, lengthy process. Just sign these 67 pieces of paper. If I've been pre-approved, where's the pre here? Where's the pre? Right? Because when I fill it out, then I got to fill out this and fill out that and fill out that. Because somehow it's got to run into your credit, right? I'm not going on your dime, (laughs) going to be credited back to me. But I've been pre-approved. Why? Because it all depends on who you are. Today I want to tell you you've been pre-approved. But you've been pre-approved not just because of who you are, but because of whose you are. You've been pre-approved. So this morning's message is aptly titled pre-approved. You've been pre-approved not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. You are his. And you have no idea how powerful this concept will be here this morning for some of your life. I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's someone in this room that's going to be set free this morning. Because you've been waiting for approval from somebody for a long time and one of these didn't come in the mail this week for you. So you've been waiting to feel approved. Can I tell you something? It don't matter how many people in this world approve of you. There's only one that really has to. And you've been pre-approved. Somebody give them praise that you've been pre-approved. Come on. 
Yeah? I want you to understand something because for the next five hours, I want to talk to you. No, I just want to make sure you're listening. Because some of you are like, oh, pre-approved, I get it. But no, you don't, do you? Because we've been pre-approved by the Savior of the world. That means that even if nobody else in this world accepted you, you've been pre-approved by him. That's good news, right? So when God has selected you, I want to make it very clear. When God has selected you, it doesn't matter who else rejected you or neglected you. God's favor and approval is all you need. And that, my friend, is enough to overcome all opposition. Did you hear me? I said he selected you. And it doesn't matter who's rejected you or neglected you because he selected you. Because God accepted you and he pre-accepted you, it doesn't have anything to do with you. Did you get that? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the cross. And so I looked up the word accepted And here's how it's defined. To receive, especially with gladness or approval. To receive, especially with gladness and approval. Some of you don't realize that God accepts you with gladness and approval. He loves you. But you are overshadowed by your past, your present, or what you think and deem to be your immediate future. Can I tell you this morning? You are marked at the cross and you are marked today. He's accepted you. You've been pre-approved. Tap your neighbor real quick today. Hey, I don't know if you know, but you've been (laughs) pre-approved. Some of you are like, yes. I'm buying that boat I always wanted. My philosophy is never buy a boat, always know somebody that does. I know nothing about boating, but I know how to have fun on the boat. I remember when I first started uh, tubing and skiing, I didn't own a boat, I knew somebody that did. And I had the time of my life because I didn't have to scrub it before or after. Time of my life. I ran, Alicia picked me up. Ah, hair. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But I really... <laughs> Some of you in your mind, you just went there. You were like, hmm, how's that look? <laughs> Nobody puts pastor in the corner. <laughs> Somebody mute me fast. <laughs> that's right he might put me in a corner I don't know I want us to take a look at something very important though this week as we talk about being marked and I want to talk about somebody that I I thought was an amazing story found here in uh, let's look at our passage here Luke chapter 5 can you turn with me to Luke chapter 5 Luke chapter 5. Matthew, 
Mark, Luke. Third gospel, chapter five. I want us to dive into this passage because I need us to understand that when we read a passage like this, some of you are like, oh, well, it's on the screen. I need you to see it in your Bible. Grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, and I need you to see it. And some of you are, maybe you're like very specific about your Bible, you don't like marking up your Bible, uh, but, but you might want to really think about this particular passage because this passage is amazing in that when we look at it in its surface, Matthew, as we understand him, also known as Levi, was pre-approved by God. And in this passage, Jesus starts calling people to himself. We talked last week about Jesus calling people, right? For those of you that logged in last week or were here last week or tuned in last week, Jesus started calling people. We talked about how he was calling people to himself, right? And so he was calling people. And this week, we're going to look at one other passage here in Luke chapter 5 where he calls out Matthew, also known as Levi. Everybody say Levi. So here we begin in verse 27. After that, he went out and looked at a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, these words, ready? Follow me. And he left everything behind, got up, and began following him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there were a large crowd of people, of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. That's the proper way to eat, by the way. Just recline. I just, just recline and make it happen, Captain. They were reclining at the table with him, or with them rather. Verse 30, the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling to his disciples, which leads me to believe that the tax collectors didn't just invite Jesus, right? Um, they invited the disciples, but they also invited sinners and the scribes. And Interesting crowd, isn't it? That's an interesting crowd. It's like the bar meets the club meets the church meets your workplace. Let's all meet in my house. How six o'clock sound. So you have this conglomerate of people, all walks of life. They're all gathering at Matthew Levi's house. And so while he's gathering with these people, reclining and eating with them, because that's what Christians do. It's the biblical way. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling to his disciples, not to Jesus, not to Jesus. Grumbling to the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, notice, it doesn't say anything about the disciples standing up or speaking up or anything of that nature. It says Jesus answered. Because Jesus comes to the defense of those whom he called. And Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. I'm among people that need me, so hush and stop thinking that it's about you. 
I'm not talking to you. I'm telling what Jesus said. Some of y'all got real offended real fast. Some of you are like, hmm, I don't know if I want to come here anymore. I'm talking about what Jesus did, right? So he, 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 he stood up for those who, who he called. He stood up for those who he loves, and that's what he does for you and I today, yes? He stands up for us, and he stood up, and he answered. Not physically stood up, but he stood up by speaking up, and he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So I have a hard question to ask you. You ready? Brace yourself. Does it bother you that people may walk in through these doors that don't look or act like you? I believe with all my heart that most of you, and I know most of you, some of you I don't know here today, we're glad you're here. We're not a, we're not a perfect group of people, but we know one that is, and we try to mimic him as much as possible. And we realize that there are times that people walk in through these doors that don't act, look, or believe like us. And we don't hate, we create opportunities for love and joy and connection. And we let God do the rest. Our job is not to convict. Our job is not to judge. Our job is not to be the jury or the executioner. Our job is to be the witness. And witnesses just tell the truth. He loves you. So no matter where you are in your walk of life, he's come and he says, listen, it doesn't matter how you come, just come. And when you come to him, let him work what he does best. People that don't have the same past as you, are you okay with them walking into the door? Because at any point in time, at any point in time, someone with a different view could walk into these doors. A lot of people wrestle with election time. A lot of people wrestle with, with the way things are being done and all that. We could all have different views, but at the end of the day, when we're all at the foot of the cross, there's one thing that matters. Who is your Savior? Because that's what matters. Who is your Lord? That's what matters. And right then and there, Jesus plainly says, it's not the ones that got it together that need to get it together. It's the ones that don't that need a physician. Why? Because every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. So Jesus had been teaching in the house when the group of men carried. Do you guys remember this? Jesus was teaching in the house and he was teaching and they, they, the guys tore the roof off and just dropped this guy in the middle of the service. That's, I don't know, I don't care how you slice it, that's disruptive. No pun intended with the slicing part, right? No matter how you address it, that's disruptive. You don't typically just like, oh, and uh, turn in your Bibles to, oh, there's a person being lowered down from the ceiling. And turn in your Bibles to, you just, that's not, right? But they saw a need, and they saw this gathering can continue, but this man has a need. There are people that need to hear what you have to say. And your testimony is a way of bringing that to people in, the, in the, their darkest moments. And so you wonder, why am I going through dark moments? Why? Can I tell you something? Look at me. Your dark moments are to help bring light to other people's dark moments. 
Because there's nothing that has seized you that is not common to man. There's nothing that has seized you that somehow somebody else in this world didn't go through. Your testimony. These four men lowered this man and they said, there's a place you need to go to and I don't care who I disrupt to get you there. Let's, let's disrupt our gatherings and understand that Jesus has an agenda and it may not look like mine. And guess what? It may not even involve me being the center of attention. I can do church anywhere I want. I can do it online exclusively. I can do it, yeah, but something happens when you're among believers. And I love our online audience. I'm so glad you tuned in. And I'm not speaking ill about it, but I'm saying there's something that happens in a room like this that doesn't happen in my living room. I felt it. I felt it when I was on lockdown as well. I love the streaming. I got to see all my friend, fat pastor friends of mine, their streams, and I got to tune in and you know, bulk up their views as well and, and see that church and this church and that church. I was a church hopper for many weeks. <laughs> but nothing compared to being among the saints in the house of God. Amen? Now, what am I saying? I'm saying to you that Jesus was about lowering people into the middle of his presence. Jesus was okay with people lowering others into his presence. Come, let me show you one that showed me everything I ever did wrong. John chapter four, lady at the well. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did wrong. John chapter nine, man who was born blind is now can see again. I don't know what, I don't know what you think about Jesus, but all I know is that I was blind and now I see. What an amazing testimony. So the synoptic gospels, that is to say, the gospels record the story of Matthew being called. And Matthew, there's an interesting thing with Matthew because Matthew's response was simple. When Jesus called him and Jesus said, follow me, he just did it. He did it. He stopped what he was doing, left his job, and followed him. Now, don't go to your job tomorrow morning and be like, Pastor Tony said that if I don't do this, I don't have faith, so I'm giving my notice. I'm walking out. And then I get calls. What did you tell my wife? What did you tell my husband at church? Because they quit their job. Can, can, can I tell you something? This is a story I'm reading, and you need to interpret what God says to you. But this man dropped everything and followed Jesus. That's honorable, isn't it? Following Jesus is not complicated, but it is challenging. Yes? Because you battle the flesh every day of your life. Listen, I don't got a three-point message. I got a one-point message. Are you ready? I need you to hear me. Following Jesus is not hard and complicated to understand but it is terribly challenging sometimes. Because when you go against your flesh, you're going against everything that you've been taught your whole life, physically, right? Get what you can get for yourself, do what you can do for you. Following Jesus begins with a decision to follow Jesus, a turning away of our old ways, and then turning toward Jesus. It's a lifelong journey, my friends. Every single day, we're battling this thought. It's more than just a Sunday service. It's more than tuning into a podcast or subscribing to a podcast. 
It's more than even just getting together with a couple friends once in a while. It's saying it's an everyday, I follow Jesus every day because my flesh acts up every day. If your flesh, if your flesh acts up once a week, then maybe then once a week church will be great. And God bless you if your flesh, flesh only acts up once a week. Can I say that? If you're one of those believers, I would love to meet with you personally. I will buy you lunch and tell me how it is that the devil only attacks you once a week. Because for me, it's every day. Lying, whispering, you can't do this. You're going to go back to addiction. You're going to go back to strongholds. There's no way this marriage is going to last. There's no way you could afford that. There's no way you can pull this thing off. There's no way you can get that job. You are not qualified enough. You are not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not healthy enough. You're not... Anybody else need any more examples? Because I think I covered a bunch of them. We've all been there. Those whispers of you're not enough. Can I tell you something? Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. And your call cannot be limited to one Sunday a week. And somehow that's enough. Just as much as eating one meal today and then coming back next week and not eating anything until then. That's not sufficient for your body either. You need water. You need sustenance. You need something to keep your body going like fuel. How many have decided, you know what, January 1, I'm going to refill my tank and I'm not refilling till July. Some of you are like, I could barely make it the rest of the week. But why do we think for some reason that somehow the only time I open my Bible on Sundays, that's enough for me? If God has saved you, there's an amazing grace that comes from his word, amen? And if he, if he hasn't saved you, you're in the right place. So let me say this real quick. C.S. Lewis hinted to this idea because your calling involved you, but it isn't always about you. C.S. Lewis said this, if I find myself, if I find myself desiring which nothing in this world can satisfy and only logical explanation is that I'm made for another world. Does that make sense? So in other words, here's what C.S. Lewis, I hope I got the quote right, because if I find myself desiring the things of this world and, and, and my calling is not sustained, then maybe I'm not made for this world. Listen, God has called you for something greater than this world. He's called you to do something in this world, but he's called you to an afterlife. What are you doing to provide for that afterlife, to secure your place? Have you accepted Jesus as your savior? See, your uniqueness and your calling positions you to play a special role in the grand story of somebody else's life and those people around you. Did you know that? That what God called you to do plays a role in other people around you and other people's story? Because it's constantly unfolding. How many know somebody that recently maybe started going to church or recently started kind of walking in Christ and you're like, you're watching them kind of learn a little bit more and more. And you know somebody like that? Does anybody know somebody like that? Okay, so you know what it's like when you meet somebody and they kind of start to walk with Jesus and they start coming to church more and more and more and you start seeing that growth and they're unfolding in front of you. You're like, wow, that's pretty neat. That's always fun to watch. Did you know that you have a part in that? So when we gather like this, you have a part in helping somebody else as well. 
So back to the story with Matthew. Jesus was inviting Matthew to come be a part of something bigger than Matthew was a part of. Matthew was a part of, when he, when he joined as being a tax collector, he was part of Rome. And at the time, that's the biggest thing you could be a part of. He called them out of Rome and said, follow me, a bigger kingdom, a bigger purpose. And he dropped everything and he followed him. So when people started saying tax collectors and sinners, you know what they were saying? Why do you sit with Levi's and Matthew's? And God is saying, I've pre-approved Matthew's. I've pre-approved the Levi's of this world. Because it doesn't matter where you've been, it's where you're going that matters. It matters who you're going with that matters. So, so grace, listen, I, got, I found this quote that I thought was fantastic and I want to share with you. Grace is God's acceptance of us. Faith is our acceptance of God accepting us. We don't always see it. We don't always understand it. Faith is accepting God accepting us. Because we don't always feel like we're accepted. But that's where faith steps in, right? Grace is God accepting us. Faith is me believing that God accepts us. With no evidence. I don't feel saved. I don't feel like I'm right with God. But as long as I've accepted Jesus, I'm allowing him to shape my life from this day forward. That's what that faith walk looks like. So Jesus said simply this, it's not those who are well that need a physician, but the sick. In a few moments, we're going to have some people share testimonies and it's going to be an enlightened moment. But watch this, those who are well have no need of a physician, Jesus said. Jesus does not, listen closely, Jesus does not and never has limited his invitation to those who have a nice, clean life and have a background. He's never limited your life to those, listen, he's never limited the people he called to those who got it all together. Look, that person's got it all together, come follow me. That person's got it going on. Let, come follow me. I've seen you at Sunday school three times in a row. You qualify. Let's go. You've been pre-approved. Jesus took a tax collector. We talked last week about who Jesus took, right? I'll let you listen to last week's podcast, whatever. This week, we're talking about Matthew, a guy that was considered, look at me, a traitor to his own people because he now was working for Rome as a tax collector because he understood their way of life and he understood who and what we were talking about. Are you with me? Look at me for a moment. God is not offended by your wounds. He's not offended by your past and he's not offended by your failure. His amazing grace is available to all of us. Religion says... I'll be there for I am accepted. Christianity says I am accepted, therefore I'll obey. Okay? Religion says I'll be there because I'm accepted. Christianity says I'm accepted because I obey. And listen, every one of us could look at our lives and go, I did this right, I did this right. But most of us can look at life and go, I did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. How many are very negative towards yourself? You're your own worst critic, right? We all are. You could probably pin out a couple things you did right, right? I did this right, I did that right. 
But then if I told you, so what did you do wrong? Oh, well, pastor, do you got time? I don't think you got time. I'm so glad that Jesus sat with me and heard me and understood me. Amen? Rachel Evans wrote this. What makes the gospel offensive isn't who keeps it out, but who lets it in. You're not offended if you don't receive the gospel that way. If you ignore the gospel, it's not offensive. It's when you hear the gospel and something steps on your toes and pricks your heart and you go, ouch. That's how the gospel affects our lives. And if you don't go to a church that ouches you once in a while, pray. Pray that God helps your pastor ouch a little bit because we all need to be pressed in the direction of Jesus. Amen? We all need to be pressed in the direction of Jesus. I like how a janitor at a church, one, church camp one time, you heard him mutter, I sure could get a lot more done around here if it wasn't for all the kids running around. If it wasn't for the kids running around, you wouldn't have a job. So here's the question. Do teens in the youth ministry leave too many potato chips enough for you to just get all angry and bent out of shape? Is the fact that the, children's, uh, the children sometimes spill stuff in the church and, and get all make too much noise while you're trying to connect with Jesus? <laughs> I can get distracted, I get it. But I'm so glad that there's life. That baby crying once in a while reminds me that there's life in the future at Freedom. And God has something in store. Jesus called the tax collectors 2,000 years ago to something greater. He called them to something greater. And he called the tax collector because he doesn't judge us by our past. He looks at us and understands that we are all full of amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears
their story. And for many of you, you have your own story. It looks very different, page to page. But one thing remains the same, our God. Everyone you just saw has a different story. It's magnificent to watch lives be changed on a week-to-week basis. But we're continuously being changed because we have a gospel that continues to work through us filters out all the junk we have a God who loves us no matter where you are in your walk of life I want you to know something if you walked into this room I want you to know that God loves you deeply some of you read these cardboard testimonies and you said that's me same story but pastor I can't go up there I can't hold this because I'm I'm still going through it and so are they but we keep pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus four and a half years later you're set free still 
some abused as a child, and now they're finally being able to talk through that. Why? Because the love of God is available to every single person. Today, friends, make no mistake. His love, his character, his grace is available to each one of you. So right now in this room, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. And really, I'm going to ask you to do something for you. Bow your heads, whether you're online or in this room, and pray this prayer with me. As I pray over you for just a moment. Father, we saw these testimonies and it's amazing grace. Lord, they're all marked. Before the foundations of the world, they were marked. Yes, they've been through some things. Yes, they had their times where they felt like maybe God had forsaken them. Some of them didn't even know who God was at all until recently. Something changed in those 15 individuals. God, I'm asking you today that each one of them have shared a chapter of their lives and each one of us have a chapter of our own. Help us to accept the amazing grace that you've offered to us the cross it's in Jesus name I pray and all of God's people said Amen. Amen. Amen 